Hi, welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is a research-based podcast where we tell you things from science, history, and true crime that terrify us and probably will terrify you. And sometimes there are vacuum noises. Sometimes there are inexplicable things that happen to us because that's life. And you have to learn how to just, you know, ride out those things like vacuums and dogs that are neither your vacuum nor your dog. Also, Jennifer, I have to tell you right now, one of my cats is curled up in my lap purring and letting me pet her. And it's so magical. This is Rue, I mean, who is the queen, and I call her the demon queen, and she's gotten, she's six years old, and she's gotten very sweet, but you met Rue when she was a kitten, and I would be like, don't pet that cat, she'll scratch the fuck out of you. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's like, letting me hold her like a little stuffed animal and pet her, and she's purring, and I'm like, what is this? It's so magical. Well, obviously it's a stuffed animal, not your cat. I am hallucinating. <laughs> it's a plant twist ending. It's like um, Shutter Island, but instead of elaborate detective tales, it's just cats being nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Light spoilers for a 10-year-old movie. Anyway. Yeah, <clears throat> you haven't seen that movie yet. It's your fault if it's spoiled for you. I don't even know if that is a spoil, frankly, because it doesn't really make a lot of sense unless you've already seen it. Like, it is kind of an obscure spoil that you'd have to think about. All right, fair point. Anyway, that is a movie I have seen. I know we talk a lot about movies that I haven't seen. That's one that I have. I have also seen that movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was some movie coming out, and I was like, Jennifer, we have to see this, but now I can't remember what it was. Well, thanks for ruining it. I know. Anyway, December 2019, if there's a horror movie on your radar, let us know. That's probably the movie I'm thinking about. Oh, now I know what it is. It was called Daniel Isn't Real. <laughs> and it's because your husband's name is Daniel. And the story, as far as I could tell from the trailer, is that this guy has an imaginary friend as a child. And then as an adult, he like invites him back and daniel is you know hijinks evil hijinks ensue and daniel is the imaginary friend's name and i was like oh my god i have to send this to jennifer because you are married to someone named daniel and so you could just be like daniel isn't real yeah anyway i mean he isn't real but that's a different story yeah he you and i just make him up so we have something to talk about uh in our introductions (laughs) that drive clint crazy And Clint isn't real either. Nope. It's all me. And you're not real. It's just me. (laughs) Emily and Jennifer are the same person. (laughs) Jemily. Jemily. Emifer. Jemily, Hemifer. And we write books (laughs) that we encounter as children. Uh, I would watch this movie that we're describing right now. I'm not going to lie. We're not making a movie tonight. Nope. I'm, I'm... Calling a hard stop on that. We're making a podcast, and this podcast is about a folklore that I don't know why I started looking into it, but I did. And it ended up being way more fun than I originally thought because there's just all, a bunch of stuff going on. Is it Krampus? No, although Krampus Night oh. is my birthday, so 
that would be awesome. Uh, that explains a lot. <laughs> it's also my birthday is December fifth, which is Krampus not, and the anniversary of the repeal of prohibition. <laughs> So yes, it does explain a lot. <laughs> You're drunk. My birthday is not nearly as interesting. You're I'm a little bit jealous. Drunk and you hate children. <laughs> That's my sign. <laughs> Krampus. <laughs> no, although it's close. The uh, the folkloric entity that I'm going to talk to you about today, Jennifer, is werewolves. I'm listening. So werewolves are awesome. Um, they start off like basically any sort of vague folklore, like, oh, it's the past. We didn't have heating and we live in hovels that are basically like little holes in mud and the roofs are sad. And sometimes people run through and chop our heads off and we're constantly dying of some horrible disease and we bleed out of our eyes and we poop endlessly. And maybe there's a king. Like, I don't even know what reading is, let alone if I can do it. So, like, of course, they're like, yeah, there are things in the woods that turn your fingers into knives and eat your face if you don't, you know, make wheat for the king. Like, of course. I mean, naturally. Yeah. Like, so many folklores are just like, the world was terrible, and so let's be afraid of stuff. But pretty early, it gets awesome, as far as werewolves are concerned. So basically all the way back to the 5th century BCE, there's some noise about Sinocephaly, which I'm just going to mispronounce terribly. But it's basically this tribe of different, like not humans, like a different race of dog people. Like they had dog heads. They weren't shapeshifters. And there's this- A little bit like Anubis? Yes, exactly like Anubis. Thank you. Um, and there's this story of this German, um, archbishop and he's like worried about these sinocephaly that he writes to his boss. He's like, I'm about to go do some missionary work in Scandinavia, you know, the wild Scandinavia. And he's like, yo, Rastrumness of Corby. This is gonna be some great names in this episode. He's like, should I convert the dog-headed people to Christianity? My sources did not say what <laughs> Rastromus of Corby replied, but as a teacher, I imagine that he was like, dude, don't even fucking worry about it. So he didn't even reply to him and just ignored the email <laughs> slash papyrus missive. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I mean, that's the most serious and important question on my mind is whether I should convert the dog-headed people to Christianity. I mean, honestly, Jennifer, like, when are you not asking yourself that question? I mean, it's not like, you know, so what are dog-headed people? Or How do I talk to them without offending them? Do they eat the same things um, as us, et cetera, et cetera? No, it's just... Do, do I need to avoid them? Is it should I convert them to Christianity? What's your advice? Whether or not I should do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is the wild history of werewolves. So I don't. I I find that 
<clears throat> Maybe just slightly endearing. No. <laughs> it really, like, oh, I just cannot wait. I cannot wait for you. This is just going to be so delightful. <laughs> it should be scary, and in some ways it is, but most of the time it's just, it is endearing. That is a great word. For some reason, German writers are super into werewolfery, and... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so hard not to laugh werewolfery is like a real word someone wrote a book in like the year two i don't know not the year two it's like the year 1500 and the book was called werewolfery and i'm like well that's the best oh word and we ever. know how smart all those people were yes with their rotting faces except not their teeth shout out to the last episode yeah. um, no just all their syphilises and yeah whatnot. everything about you is rotting off a beautiful set of teeth <laughs> So, for some reason, Livonia is this hot spot of werewolf activity. And if Livonia sounds like a made-up country for, like, a Hallmark movie that involves a prince, <laughs> you're not wrong, because that country doesn't exist anymore. It's present-day Latvia and Estonia. Uh, see? Livonia, Latvia, Estonia, Estonia. Anyway. So, it's Eastern European... I was going to say, well, they they paid their homage, right? Yeah, like the Czech Republic and Slovakia was Czechoslovakia when we were children. Tis no longer. Oh, God, that's right. Jeez. It's true. I'm so old. I know. I <laughs> went to Prague last year and I kept being like, oh, I'm going to Czech Republic. And I was like, so weird not saying Czechoslovakia, even though they probably haven't been Czechoslovakia for like 15 years. But anyway, Czech Republic. So anyway, so, like, European and German travel writers are like, OMG, y'all, Livonia is full of werewolves. When you come here, watch out for it. I saw them. And Livonians are like, what? No, we've never seen a werewolf. What are you talking about? And so in the 1500s, like, this is the way it was. Did they discuss converting them to Christianity at any point? <laughs> they didn't mention that, weirdly enough. <laughs> hmm. Okay, continue. Yeah, but so in the 1500s, there is this Livonian, I will say, and again, here's another awesome name. His name is Balthazar Russo, and he doesn't talk about werewolves, but he does write this little bit, which came out of a peer-reviewed source, I want you to know. I read a lot of peer-reviewed sources <laughs> about werewolves, which is... About werewolfery. Yep, I, I read several peer-reviewed sources about werewolfery, which is perhaps the most delightful sentence I've ever said in my life. <laughs> but he writes this thing that sounds right out of Game of Thrones. He says, quote, During the siege, which is like this battle, and I tried to learn about it but i went to the wikipedia page and it was like here's a bunch of technical stuff and hundred year politics and i'm like i don't understand so i can't tell you what siege but quote during the siege 14 days before the withdrawal there was an amazing and extraordinary portent of wolves side note portent of wolves <laughs> is an excellent <laughs> band name for several nights in a row, masses of them gathered near the camp in spite of the fact that there was a huge assembly of men there, making a great deal of noise. But the wolves began to howl and bay in a dreadful fashion, and many a man's hair stood on end. So basically, there's like this huge battle and all these dudes, and these wolves are just like, sup. And the dudes are like, get away, you're supposed to be afraid of us. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not. And so this is, this is cited as like an early part of where maybe werewolves came from. I, I want to take a second to say 
first off, the wolves are right. They have no reason to be afraid. Like, human beings have to make weapons. The wolf is a weapon on its own. Oh, yeah. 100%. But then, two, do you remember that, like, very short-lived meme where there is, like, some guy making fun of contemporary music where he's just repeating over and over again, I like long build-ups and disappointing drops? No. <laughs> Yeah, like, the whole thing, he's like, I like long build-ups and disappointing drops, and, like, he gets higher and higher pitch. Fair. Just take a moment to try to find it. I, I'll take but your word I, for it. <laughs> I feel like Balthazar Russo is the name version of that guy making fun of that song, because, like, with a first name like Balthazar, I was like, oh, this is a good build-up, and then it's like, Russo. I was like, oh. Yeah. That's what I signed up for? <laughs> I know. Really? I mean... And I'm supposed to trust your report on a on a wolf battle? I mean, you know what? That is a fair, like, scholarly critique of Balthazar <laughs> Russo. How dare you? <laughs> um... Anyway, sorry, I know. You really no, you're know. fine. Uh, so it's it's werewolves are very Baltic, Eastern Russian. I also want to read this other quote that made me laugh very hard. Uh, the author is David Frolik, and this is from 1644, and it's an example of this sort of like travel writing to Livonia. Uh, quote: Livonia is a marshy, flat, densely forested land traversed by navigable rivers, rich in fish. The fields are arable and very fertile. Boars, elk, foxes, lynx, marten, sables, ermines, and beavers dwell in the woods. The rabbits change their color depending on the season. In winter, they are white, and during summer, gray. Horses, cattle, and fattened pigs are plentiful, and they are expediently bred. Werewolves are very common in the region. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, all, and then suddenly, um, by the way, werewolves. Yeah, are I know. <laughs> it's like you know there's like some stores over here and they're pretty cool and you know right down the road um there's a farmer's market and you know you'll see some deer and um and uh you know the deer do deer things and by the way cthulhu lives two houses down from me yeah it's like a beatrix potter book except on the last page of a, a like like just blur of teeth and knives on your hands runs through and murders Peter Rabbit. Like that's kind of what he's <laughs> describing. So the like I said, it's very Baltic Eastern Russian. There are a couple themes in these really early iterations of werewolves. Um one, like a ton of folklore is about this where it's tied to magical clothing where like you have a special belt and that's what turns you into a werewolf. Um, which to me is kind of boring because it's just like, yep, that's a folklore thing, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's kind of like vampires in that, like, there are basically, like, all the peasant cultures of Europe has some variety of this, but they put their own fucked up spin on it, and it's delightful. Um, in Serbia, <laughs> they have this werewolf slash vampire hybrid that's called Vlikoslak. I don't know. If I'm saying that right. But basically, these guys come out... Are you, are you sure? Say that again. Vliegersach. <laughs> VL... I think Emily's making some shit up over here. <laughs> Listen, are there any Serbian terroristas? Come and tell us what's up. 
So basically these guys come out in winter, which is the opposite of hibernation and is very foolish because when it's winter is cold and dark, go to bed. But they come out and they like they part like they take off their wolf skins and like party in the woods. And if you can like grab one of those wolf skins and burn it, then they turn back into regular people. But why would you do that? Because they're partying in the woods. I don't know either. I, it's hard for me to understand. That's rude. Just let them party and then go back to being wolves. What do you care? The Greeks had a myth where they thought that werewolf people could like rise from the dead like zombies. And this is where I tell you that my ancestry is Greek and Irish and my people are wild. Like we just want to get drunk and all of our myths are like creatures that will fuck you up and kill you with trickery. Like the banshees and Irish legends and all of like the creepy Irish fairies and these Greek, like we're going to rise from the dead and fuck your shit up. And then we just laugh and get drunk and we're like, anyway, I hope the mythical creatures don't trick you to a terrible death. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I am the way I am. (laughs) Don't, don't blame it on your ancestry. I mean, it's not the only reason, but I like to also include it in the many, many reasons why I am the way I am. <laughs> the other theme, and it's my favorite theme, and it's going to surprise exactly nobody, is that in these early tales about werewolves, there's a really strong theme of it being peasants versus noble people, which makes sense. Like at the time, all of the rulers were Germans, right? All, like all of these writers who are like fancy German hoity toities, and they're dealing with these serfs that are Latvian and Estonian. And so you have all of these peasants and people literally in serfdom, which is quasi slavery, like tilling the land and doing this stuff. And then you have these pe- or these nobles who are German who are coming in and saying, like, you peasants are stupid. And the peasants are like, all right, you know what? Fuck you. Um, you're the worst boss. And also I've ever give had. me all your shit, motherfuckers. Yeah. So werewolves are basically the original Marxists. Werewolves hate capitalism. <laughs> so there's like a lot of stories where like nobles and peasants are talking and the peasant is like, like there's this Baltic one and they're all in this party and they have to stay in the woods because they're on a trip and they're like, we're so hungry. And one of the serfs is like, yo, dude, I got you. And he like turns into a wolf and brings back a sheep. And they're like, wow, this wolf is so chill and nice. We love him. And then the wolf's like, shabam, it's me. I'm a serf, uh, your friend. And they're like, what? We didn't know. <laughs> dude. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Another one, and this sounds so much like one of those, here's an aside, but did you ever read those scary stories to tell in the dark books as a kid? Uh, Yes, of course I did. Of course. Like, if there's anyone listening to this podcast who didn't read those books, I will give you $5 because all of us read those books and they sat in our brain and now we're like in our thirties and everyone's like, why do people like creepy things? And I'm like, because you gave us these books as children and they're delightful, awesome stories. And I read this when I was visiting my cousin and there was like a song about like, when you see a hearse goes by, then you will be the next to die. But the song was like (laughs) so long. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. 
And I memorized the whole thing and was like singing it when I came home. And my mom was like, the fuck is wrong with my child? And I was just like, this is a hilarious song. But anyway, this next werewolf legend sounds 100% like a story out of that book. And so in the second one, there's, it's Livonia, again, our hotspot. And there's this noble woman who's like, werewolves are not real. And the surf is like, yeah, they are. And she's like, shut up, you're dumb and a peasant. And the surf is like, bitch, bet. And so he's like, all right, I got to go like do something in the basement. And he sneaks away and then they're like, oh no, there's a wolf kill it and the guard dogs are like ah we're gonna come and get you and they rip out one of the wolf's eyes but the wolf gets away and then you know the nobleman's like oh thank god for those uh, guard dogs and the next time she sees the surf that she was talking to he only has one eye oh my god i totally didn't see it coming i know i know you didn't you're that's too much this is werewolves jennifer Try not to be too scared. I mean, I thought I thought you were going to be like, and the next time she saw that surf, he was like, oh, hey, what's up? Uh, werewolves are still real. And she's like, whatever, you big dumb idiot. She's like, show me some peer-reviewed research, please. And he's like, I can't read. <laughs> I don't know what reading even is. It's the year 1500, ma'am. I am still pooping in the same spring where I get my water. Oh, God. Yeah. But the third theme about these early werewolf legends, and it is my favorite one, and it is the reason why I asked Clint to edit this to come out on Christmas as a special Christmas present, is that for many hundreds of years, werewolves were associated with Christmas. (laughs) They're like Christmas demons. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Yep, 100%. (laughs) Um, werewolves for a long time were associated with midwinter and like the darkness and like, oh, it's the darkest time of the year and everything's like bad and scary. And this is when the werewolves come out. And so for a long time, werewolves were associated with Christmas. (laughs) So is it more like, you know, the weather outside is frightful. So the wolves and the werewolves are also frightful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And then there's this other one. So there's this guy named Oleus Magnus. What do you think about that name? Um, Better build up and better finish, but there just still seems to be something missing. Yeah, it's like, so Balthazar was really exciting, and then Roos was really boring. And this is sort of equal. Oleus and Magnus, both yeah, kind of it's okay. right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah B, a B name. So it's it's the purgatory of names. Yeah. Oleus Magnus says that, quote, on the feast of Christ's nativity, end quote, uh, there was this thing that werewolves would bust into people's houses, kill all the people and then drink all their beer. <laughs> yep. Which to me just feels like a new Christmas tradition where what we do is put on, like, we dress up like wolves, we go to our friend's house, they open the door and we're like, rah, and then we, like, boop them on the head drink all their beer. with a fake sword and drink all their beer. Yep. Yep. This is a new Christmas tradition. Surprise your friends by showing up and being like, I'm a werewolf. Give me your beer. Yep. 
I just, I want to know what part of that story is actually horrifying to those people. It's like, okay, so listen, this is what happens. Like, if you're not careful, the Christmas werewolf is going to come to your house and kill you. And then you're like, eh, I mean, but life is kind of terrible anyways. But then it drinks all your beer. Fuck! No! <laughs> I know, right? Unacceptable. <laughs> no, not my precious beer. I mean, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. So, (laughs) this is the the origins of our werewolves. Uh, In 1550 is the first time we get the word werewolf. uh, And it comes from, all right, you ready to rate another name? Yes. Sebastian Munster. That's not a real name. It's totally a real name. (laughs) Okay, so it sounds it sounds like somebody who like, you know, they're trying to come up with with a name for their fake ID, so they go with like, what is like definitely not possibly my name? Yeah, and they're like, uh, Sebastian Monster. Yes. Yeah, that's my name. It one hundred percent sounds like a made up name, but <laughs> this is a name from uh my peer reviewed source called the Werewolves of Livonia, Lichen Theory, <laughs> Lycanthropy and Shape Shift or Shape Changing in Scholarly Text, fifteen fifty to seventeen twenty by Stefan Doniker. Um, which is perhaps the most delightful scholarly peer reviewed text that I have ever read. I loved it so much um but so this is what (laughs) this is what sebastian munster said about livonia in his book which is called cosmographia if you ever wanted to know if the 15 mid 1500s in europe were basically just a black metal scene they were he said quote (laughs) in this land there are many sorcerers and witch women who adhere to the erroneous belief which they have often confessed before court that they become wolves, roam about, and cause harm to all they encounter. Afterwards, they transform back into human shape. Such people are called werewolves. Interesting. You and I have talked many times about how my ideal plan for life is to just live on an island in a big house with all my friends who are women where we can like have a bunch of pets and do our hobbies and all the local people will think we're witches. Um, And so when he says that there's a lot of witch women, I'm like, yes, hello? (laughs) Go on. Yes, of course. The witch women. Yeah, that's me. That's my retirement plan. (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, I'm trying to take this very seriously but it's getting hard it is so it's like i really feel the same way like it just i started out being like wow what a rich history of a scary legend but it was so delightful that it was impossible to genuinely be frightened it is just it made me like werewolves a trillion times more (laughs) like uh, prior to this i don't think i had any real thoughts about werewolves but now i love them <laughs> i just um if i ever become a werewolf i i want to be part of the group that drinks other people's beer <laughs> on christmas 
<laughs> oh, Chris. <laughs> it's like all the rest of the time of the year, it's like, it's cool. We can get our own beer. But on Christmas, it's like, all right, it's time. Let's go drink some other people's beers. I mean, you basically become like a rowdy frat guy who's like, the party's here. And you're like, oh, I got homework to do. And you're like, fuck it. Shotgun this beer with me. Like, but you're, you're, you essentially are Teen Wolf. I'm describing Teen Wolf, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But, you know, then again, I feel like I could probably blend in with the frat crowd. I mean,. Our good friend Emily Haymans, I think, one time, I don't even remember what we were doing. We were, like, thrift store shopping or something. And she just looked at me and she goes, I feel like your inner child is a frat boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that accurate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. That might be true. I know. <laughs> that, that story might check out. Like, my inner child is not some, like, cute, adorable, like, five-year-old princess. It's, like, an 18-year-old drunk kid who's just like, dude, don't be a dick about shit. Like, just let people be chill, right? Okay, on a scale from 1 to 10, how often do you feel compelled to smash a beer can on your head and also burp? I mean, burping is constant. It's burping in my biome basically never stops smashing a beer can on my head very rarely although i do often try to open beer bottles with my teeth and i come close and then i'm like you are 33 years old please stop doing this go and Get one of your many bottle openers that people have gifted you that are within several feet of your hands. So. Have you ever fallen asleep with a uh, pizza box on top of you? No, but I have fallen asleep with dirty plates in my bed after I eat. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. This is all close enough. Yeah. I'm down. This, is, I, this, I, this tracks. <laughs> this is science. We just we did some serious sciencing and research here. And Merry Christmas. Think, uh, this is coming out on Christmas. We got you a science. <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really a science, I guess. But whatever. It's close enough. We did get you a history. So in 1677. <laughs> is the first time we see, like, the werewolves will turn you into werewolves kind of theme, right? Like, nowadays when we think about werewolves, we think of, like, if you get scratched or bit, then you are also a werewolf. Oh, God. Um, and this is the first time that we see that. Um, and so the story works out like this, that the author is named Cortholt. And he's like, let me tell you about this thing that happened, like, 40 years ago. I'm in a tavern in Livonia, and I am a good German civilized human, so I only speak a little bit of the native, native language. And I'm drinking a beer, and this townie comes up to me, and he's like, yo, to you, sir, as it is to me. And the guy is like, okay, yeah, to you, sir. And they, like, cheers and drink. And then these other townies are like, are you kidding me? And they take the townie out and, like, beat him up. And they're like, fuck this guy, blah, blah, blah. And the tra traveler, Corthal, is like, whoa, why did you beat that guy up? He just came up and cheers me. 
And they're like, this was a curse. Like, he said to you, sir, as it is to me. And you just replied to you, sir. If you had added the as it is to me, he would have turned you into a werewolf. And that's why we beat him up outside. Oh, dang. I know. That one actually does. I'm like, that's actually a spooky twist. I like it. Now, we're moving into our next bit. So, like I said, early werewolf legends are very, like, folklore and magical belts and, like, local customs. And then... And wolfskins. Wolfskins. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Give me your beer. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so the next phase is, like, werewolves kind of move into this phase where they get sort of swept up into the witch trial situation. But weirdly enough, the whole time I saw this over and over again, that werewolves and witches fight each other and hate each other. And so even when like the church is all powerful and is like, everything is Satan werewolves and uh, witches are both Satan, but they hate each other. Like it would be like if a preacher today was like all football is Satan and then he's like, LSU and uh, Alabama, y'all are both Satan. Like, those two schools hate each other so much that they would be upset to be in the same category. That's what's happening here. <laughs> it's basically SEC football. So, <laughs> this is the best story. This is my favorite story. This warms the cockles of my cold, dead heart. This is basically a Christmas tale. And if either of us fuck up and have children. I feel like this is what we're going to snuggle up with our children on Christmas Eve and tell them. And then we ask, so we'll say, you have to be good or else the werewolves will come and drink all your beer tomorrow. So <laughs> in 1692, there's this guy. His name is Old Thies of Kaltenbrunn. And in Scandinavia, he's this old dude who gets put on trial for basically being a werewolf and okay you know we know about the salem witch trials we know about all this stuff like sure but this is why it's the best and why i love it old thesis is basically like yeah bitch i'm a werewolf every night i go down to hell and i fight witches <laughs> <laughs> and he's like super into it he's like very proud about being like listen i am a shape changer i do become a werewolf but i am a werewolf who does good things for god and the church is like okay well like that's bad but that's also good like i don't know if we believe you and he's like yeah believe in werewolves and they're like okay i don't know but like are you a good guy or not? Do you go to church? And this is his defense. This is literally his defense. No, I'm too old to understand church. <laughs> so he's like, I don't go because I'm just, I'm just too old to get it. And they're like, okay, so like you're. I feel like that's the most Facebook thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> It's so awesome. I love it That's so some much. shit that would totally end up on there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too old to understand church, so I can't go. <laughs> so they're like, "Are you're just senile. And he's like, no, I'm not. I really am a werewolf. And they're like, 
okay, well, let's just move on to the next case. Like, <laughs> I've got better things to do right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> but he was just like, yeah, dude, I am a werewolf and I'm a good werewolf. Like, he's basically Remus Lupin. He's like, I'm going to go punch some witches. Don't you, don't you worry, priest person. Don't you worry. Here's some I'm chocolate. I'm looking out for you. <laughs> In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down to hell tonight and kick some witch ass. In your name. Hello, I'm gonna shapeshift into a scary man wolf and then go fight in the name of the Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. It is so awesome. I feel like we are all old thieves in our hearts. Uh, one of these thing, one of these articles said that he was quote very proud of this fact. Um, another one called him the stubborn, cantankerous, and often quite endearing elderly werewolf still managed to captivate his audience after <laughs> three hundred years. Like you and I are in our thirties, but I feel like stubborn, cantankerous, and often quite endearing is actually a pretty good tagline for us as well. Let's put it on our gravestone. <laughs> That's the tagline for season four. Uh, stubborn, cantankerous, and often quite endearing. All things terror. <laughs> People are like, I don't know what I'm signing up for listening to this. They're like, we don't either. We do not either. <laughs> so, out after Old Thies, uh, again, uh, here's another example of where, where werewolves start to be sort of swept it in the uh like Salem with Charles type stuff um is the Bedburg werewolf which is a pretty famous tale this is from 1589 and his name is Peter Stube or Stomp it's spelled like a thousand different ways um also hilariously like I I read quite a few things and one of them is from history.com which is such laughable trash they had a section in this article called Are Werewolves Real? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, settle down with that subtitle. Um, but I, I mean, they're real in the human imagination. Yeah, they're, they're real in a folklore sense, but this isn't a question that history.com should be posing. <laughs> but it is one of the many sources that talked about the Bedford werewolf. And so this guy is Peter Stubb or Stube. It's spelt like a thousand different ways, which is pretty common. Like spelling wasn't standardized until way beyond Shakespeare's time. Um, but it's <sighs> not even then. I know it, it's like, Honestly, anyone who deals with primary sources and has to read, like, the actual documents, I'm just like, I bow down to you, sir or madam, because fuck that. That shit's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Where is their copy editors? Um, I like my copy clean. Um, <laughs> but so basically what happens is that this story is from Bedburg, Germany. It's full of scandal. But it comes out of, like, straight-up torture. Like, this is some very much, like, uh, Spanish Inquisition stuff. Where he's like, yeah, I eat animals. I eat people. I eat pregnant people. I eat the fetuses. I eat their hearts. I fucked my daughter. I fucked a succubus. The devil sent a succubus. I fucked it. Baby hearts are delicious. I have a magic belt. Like, he literally just says everything because he's being stretched on a rack. Like, they're ripping him oh, apart. Yeah, naturally. And he's like, whatever you want, whatever you want. Um, 
But it is, like, a good moment in werewolfery history where it's like, well, like, the people who were interrogating him were clearly like, are you a werewolf? Confess to being a werewolf, right? Like, they're not, he's not just going to come up with it. Uh, but they do tie it to all these weird, creepy shit. Um, sadly, they killed his daughter, who had nothing to do with it. Um, but I will also read you this because it's very Game of Thrones. Like, to the point where I kind of want to, like, be like, I feel like George R. R. Martin has, is aware of this long werewolf lore because of the way that he deals with dire wolves and the Stark family. In the show. I haven't read the books because I'm not a nerd. Um, but anyway, so here's the quote. Quote, the execution of Stump on October 31st, Halloween, 1589, and of his daughter and mistress is one of the most brutal on record. He was put to, to a wheel where, quote, flesh was torn from his body in ten places with red hot pinchers, followed by his arms and legs. Then his limbs were broken with a blunt side of an axe head to prevent him from returning from the grave before he was beheaded and his body burned on a pyre. Uh, his daughter and mistress had already been flayed and strangled and were burned along with Stump's body. As a warning against similar behavior, what? Uh, local authorities <laughs> erected a pole with a torture wheel and the figure of a wolf on it, and at the very top they placed Peter Stump's severed head. Awesome. Yeah, so the next time you hear someone being like, oh, we're so violent, our society is so violent, uh, please refer them to the legend of the werewolf of Bedburg and be like, this was justice and entertainment of the day. It was a twofer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1700s, this is actually what prompted me getting into the idea of werewolves in the first place for an episode, um, there is this legend of the beast of Javondon, which is like in France, um, people were being attacked by something and they basically thought it was this like unkillable werewolf. And I actually found this, uh, scholarly article that talks about, the motherfucking Sun King, all the way from episode one, um, his oh, damn. son, um, while his son was king, so the Sun King's son, <laughs> um, was when this beast of Javondon was going around, like, killing people, and it was this huge thing, like, this This wolf is superhuman strength, so, like, the 1760s and 70s. And even the French king, Louis the 15th, got involved. And um, it was sort of this beginning of, like, a, a, a schism between the royalty and the peasants that the... Um, King was sort of thought that the peasants were co-conspirators with this beast and the peasants were like, please help us against this like superhuman demon that's killing us. And so when the um, French king like set up this soldiers that were specifically pulled together to like hunt the beast slash control the people um it became this like way of reinforcing 
authority, um, which is really weird and interesting and makes me feel like my job is really boring that I don't get to write about stuff like this. (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought that was a really interesting tie-in of something we've talked about before, right? Of this idea of like, well, um, the the peasants are afraid in this way and the royalty is afraid in this way. And um, instead of trying to make everyone's lives better, they sort of pit each other against each other. Um, so bummer. As is the way in the world. Yep. And keep that in your back pocket as Southern fried true crime would say, because we're going to go all the way to 1933 because werewolves like don't go away like the 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 legend of them just keeps showing up and showing up um in 1933 is where we get this book published called a werewolf in paris which is where that phrase comes from like there's an american werewolf in paris american werewolf in london like all these movies and then uh the warrens of onsong werewolves of london like all the way, which I think is from the 1980s, but it all stems from this 1933 novel by a guy named Guy Andore. Um, and it's considered to be kind of like the way that Sherlock Holmes is the like father of detective novels or um, like Bram Stoker's Dracula is like the father of modern uh vampire lore like this book is considered sort of that for werewolves and it basically follows this guy named bertrand who's born on christmas eve remember i said werewolves are associated with christmas um yeah and he's born to and this is a huge bummer 1933 paris what's wrong with you um but it's a teen girl who's been quote raped by a priest whoa That's dark. Um, And then he, like, goes and eats people and typical werewolf shit. Um, But I just want to point out that the Christmas connection to werewolves is deep and (laughs) long-lasting. And the first person to write a Christmas song about werewolves busting in your house and drinking all your beer wins... (laughs) by everlasting love i mean that could be that could be a good country song yeah like grandma got run over by a reindeer but like my house got broken into by werewolves well you or you're in the you're in your pickup with your best friend i swear i saw a wolf run across the roof (laughs) and then like you know he's like stealing all the beer from your from your house and don't well, you, you know, your girlfriend just broke up with you, and I don't know, there's something going on with one of your favorite horses. We we can come up with the whole thing. Yeah, don't take my Tecate. That's what it will be called. <laughs> so, um, moving forward just a little bit from 1933, um, the Nazis have a connection to werewolves because, of course they did. Those fucking freaks. Um... Nazis ruined, like, everything. Um, they're just... I mean, in addition to, like, the murder and the fascism, they were, bit, like, so weirdly invested in image. Um, I recently reread a book that I really like. It's by... Um, 
Eric Larson. Uh, it's nonfiction. And it's called In the Garden of Beasts, and it's about the American diplomat in Germany, like as Hitler is taking power in the 30s. And like, I think it was Goring who was super into military uniforms and like would make up all these different ones. And like every time you saw him, he was in this different made up uniform all for the look of it. And like so much of that book is about how the third Reich was obsessed with image and optics and like the politics of like looking good. And, and in the thirties, like Eric Larson, there's a footnote where he even says like, it's actually very upsetting to do research on this era because of how many people go to Germany and go, wow, these Nazis look great because they did like, they were so obsessed with like image and symbolism that like, to just look at it seemed fine, but knowing like how terrible it was underneath, you're like, oh dear. And like the obsession with optics that they had is laughable until you realize that like that's what politics is now. Um, but anyway, so the Nazis. Fair enough. Yeah, the Nazis were super into any sort of imagery and mythology and like occultism kind of and so um because of this connection to the idea of germany and that like ancient like lore about werewolves like i've said has has sort of had germans as these um lords over serfs eastern european serfs which is exactly what the third reich was all about like they purposely displaced eastern european peoples because they're like well, obviously, Aryans have to have this land. So, right. Um, the Nazis got super into werewolves, sadly. And um, the strong connection to this is that um, as the Allies were advancing and it was becoming very clear that they were winning, um, werewolves were what German slash Nazi holdouts were called. So, um, there were like graffitis of like allies watch out for werewolves and like when american soldiers would like go into territory that they were liberating quote unquote um if there were nazis who were not surrendering and who were not giving up uh and were like we're gonna fight to the death they called themselves werewolves interesting yeah. so again the nazis ruined everything um yeah i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know they called themselves werewolves i didn't either i actually found it so this is a side note i stumbled across this article from the smithsonian about nazis and werewolves and um then i kind of tripped into this thing where um i have heard rumors in fiction and nonfiction about the Russian army being a very horrifying, like when the Russian army advanced in World War II, it wasn't this liberatory force. It was a retaliatory force and that they were just like, they would just rape and brutalize the countries and the cities that they were liberating. And like when I was in um, Austria, I was in Vienna and um, my, I was visiting my aunt and uncle and cousin and they, super rich people they lived in the center of vienna and the building 
that I could see out of their window, like their next door neighbors, was the building that when um, Hitler annexed Austria and gave a speech, he gave a speech on that building steps. Um, and, and so like being in Austria was really weird for me where I was just like, this is the first time that I've been in like a country. I mean, I've been to Germany when I was a kid, but very Northern and not, but like, I just, the whole time I was there, I was like, it's really weird for me to be here in a country that I associate so strongly with Nazi collaboration. And like, I don't really know how to approach being a tourist in this country and understanding their history and um i saw like some really incredible art at the jewish museum there um sort of engaging with that but otherwise like citywide you don't really see that and and for me it was very weird to be places that i'm like wow i feel like i recognize that building and then i'm like oh i recognize it from historical images of nazis standing in front of it and i'm like uh anyway um but when I was talking to her, I said, you know, like I said something where I was like, I don't really know too much about like what Vienna was like in the war. Like I, I have this association of Austria collaborating with Nazis. And she's like, yeah, I think that's legitimate. And she's like, but then for the Viennese, there's also this sense of being brutalized by the Nazis. And then she like she didn't use the phrase you get yours, but like this idea of like, yeah. And then they were liberated by the Russians who just like did whatever they wanted for a couple weeks. Um, and like, she's like, from everything I can understand, it was really like awful. Um, and so the whole point, I guess the rabbit hole that I went down and like why I was like, Oh, is this worth, um, an episode is that um, by all accounts, when the Russian army, our allies were liberating fronts in World War II, they were committing war crimes on a scale that we would not even be able to wrap our minds around. And it was mostly mass murder and rape um, and like genocidal tendencies sort of that we would associate with like Darfur, like this idea of like an army going into an area and like raping and murdering for a week. Um, that's sort of what the Russian army did in the World War II front. And it's still sort of like, yeah, this happened, but it's weirdly not brought up very much. And it's a huge aside from werewolves, but just like something that happened right. and that I bumped into and that like, it's not enough to become in its own episode, but it was also like such a thing that I kind of was like, well, anyway, um, <laughs> so that's a bummer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to find even on Wikipedia, like it's hard to find the Wikipedia page about that it exists, but you have to like click around and find it. And that process is weird. Um, as all things on Wikipedia are. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, listen, I'm pro Wikipedia. Um, but yeah, that was just an odd little non werewolfy aside. Uh, and I, I, this has been such a delightful, uh, episode. So I, I'm not going to end on a downer. I have a couple more little bits. One is that um, one of the articles that I read, one of the peer-reviewed articles said that um, werewolves are really 
closely connected to war. Um, and this is my own interpretation that that phrase, let slip the dogs of war has a whole new meaning. Um, but basically, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, modern quote, modern researchers have noted that reports on lycanthropy tended to be far more common during times of war and unrest, unquote. So basically, like whenever there's political and social strife, then um, we see these like monsters come out and this like fear and anxiety. Um, it's there's also this idea of whenever there's like a social breakdown, we see this. Um, and like I in one of my very early bits on this episode, I said that werewolves are often like the werewolf legends often have these peasants pitched against their German rulers. And like in reality, yeah, that ended up being like a real political struggle and like a real um like difficult, bloody, horrible struggle. Um and so when we see werewolves like spike in mention is often because there's this like unrest in society and this like fear. Um it said this other quote that I really like, quote, the heyday of the Baltic werewolves corresponds almost exactly to the 150 years of military struggle for control over Livonia. Um, from the collapse of the Livonian Confederation in 1558 to the Russian victory in the Great Northern War in 1721, the region was racked by almost incessant warfare between Sweden, Poland, Lithuania, and Russia, end quote. And if you know, like, uh old thies like that was a scandinavian legend right he was tried in scandinavia um kaltenbrun is a very scandinavian name and so sweden was involved in this war right poland lithuania russia like so we see that um these legends pop up when there's this social political unrest as well um another uh medical <laughs> medical in quotes publication um I feel like this gets published in um, non-historical journals and historians must want to rip their eyeballs out. But people being like, oh, well, looking back, we can find instances of this psychological or medical disorder in history. And historians are like, that's not how it works. But um, there is some discussion that um, werewolfery legends might have sprung from the idea of feral children or autistic children. So like if you had an autistic child and you just like left out in the woods and it didn't die, but it also didn't grow up around um, humans, other humans and feral children are a real thing. And it's really, really sad and terrible. And that could be its own episode. But like, basically if you isolated a child from other humans and they grew up as an animal and then they acted like an animal. Um, there's a supposition that that's where the myth of werewolves came from. Or um, I found this medical article that was a little difficult for me to uh, parse, but it was a congenital porphyria, which is a type of disorder where um, you would have red eyes that would be sensitive to the sun. Um, you uh, would have like skin problems. Um, you would be really sensitive to the sun. So if you were sensitive to the sun, you probably wouldn't go out during the day. Um, you would react really strongly to the sun. Your skin would look weird. Your teeth might look weird. Um, and so that was the idea that, okay, well, werewolves come out at night 
if you're a human who only comes out at night, people are going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, and that is one of them. Or a supposition. <clears throat> and then, hilariously, I will post a link to this in the Facebook group, but uh, I found a very delightful math paper from a conference presentation where the scholar looked at Underworld, the movie where werewolves and vampires fight each other, and uh, considered what the equilibrium points of infection were of like, well, they obviously need to keep some humans alive, um, but they don't want to keep too many. And like at what percentage of the population would need to make this a viable like world to live in. Um, and it was really funny and wonderful to read. Uh, so I will 100% post that. And also <laughs> that is the note I will end on that underworld is real werewolves are now your new christmas tradition uh happy go steal beer from your friends uh what was the song i was gonna it's christmas eve again and werewolves drink my beer (laughs) um what is It, it doesn't even rhyme what is a christmas song in public domain i feel like most of them are Silent Night? I don't know. I I truly don't know that. Silent Night, Hairy Night, All is Loud, Wolves Come Near, <laughs> Round Yon Virgin, Protect My Beer. <laughs> Screaming werewolfy tones. Screaming werewolfy tones. That's beautiful. You're welcome, America. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. Hi, Emily. Hello, Jennifer, if that is your name. I I like talking about poop. What if that was the opportunity? Like, what if that was the moment when you told me, actually, 
my name is Mary and Jennifer is my middle name and I've always gone by a different name than what I've told you. What if that was how I found out? I... Actually, let's start with what kind of name is Mary Jennifer? <laughs> I mean, it's not a great one. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I guess, okay, so if that were, like, I like the name Mary. I'm fine with Jennifer because that is my name. But I'm not sure that Mary Jennifer, like Mary Jennifer, and then last name. What about Jennifer? Is like a great what about Jennifer Mary? That's somehow worse. No, no, no. Th this is the only acceptable usage of Mary Jennifer, which is if you hyphenate that. So that's your whole uh, first name. Hi, Mary, Mary Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh, oh, I feel like when I was growing up in the '90s, every book had some girl whose name was like mary jennifer or like uh like beth ann or you know, i don't know like some sort of hyphenated name i don't know if i've ever met anyone in real life who has that well there you go that's gonna be my alias in my future is mary jennifer hyphenated mary jennifer well also i i don't want children and so a part of me goes anytime i hear this i'm like remember that next time you get a cat <laughs> <laughs> be like this is rupaul prince sushi and mary jennifer <laughs> and everybody like mary jennifer <laughs> and people are like oh don't worry about what it what a cute kitty you are mary and i'm like her name is mary jennifer <laughs> you 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 can call her may j for short right but not mj may j <laughs> or she will also accept maria hennifer but not Mary. <laughs> uh, and there you have it, people. We come up with terrible names. Yeah. This, so this is like when ever every once in a while someone will be like, "You should, you would be such a great mom. You should have a kid." And I'd be like, "I would name them Mary Jennifer." And they're like, "Never mind. I take it back." <laughs> well, our. On that note, should, should what, we... actually, what the hell is that sound? Can you hear that? I was wondering if you could. My neighbor is vacuuming. This is also the neighbor, which listeners don't know about this, but there are many, many days where we plan to record and the dogs bark and they bark. Because, like, basically, this guy works from home, thank God, because every time... I'm just going to keep stop, like talking because Clint... He never vacuums for very long. Um, but uh, anytime he leaves the house, his dogs bark and they don't stop. And so, like, there have been times where he's gone overnight and they bark all night. Like, they do not stop. And so there have been days where I'm like, we're going to record today. And then I just text Jennifer and be like, the dogs are barking and we can't do it. And so he's done. See, I told you. He never vacuums for long. Uh, so now you guys finally just got a little glimpse of behind the scenes if Clint leaves us in, uh, and the vacuuming <laughs> and the sound is done. It's not a very interesting behind the scenes, but you know, this is real life. This is, this is when people stop doing whatever the real world used to say 20 years ago and start getting real. This is the real world. <laughs> All things terror. Fuck, he started vacuuming the again. most uninteresting reality show that you've ever participated yeah. in. And I've participated in so many. Well, we're going to try this again. On this note, <laughs> all right, pour one out. Here's the silence for Clint. Clint.
welcome back. Hello, can you hear me? No. No, you're just responding to the ether. Yes. I mean, duh. Awesome. I am the ether. Okay, so I just googled important events from this day in history, July 9th. What did you learn about your birthday? Uh, Wing of York minister gutted by fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sentence that, like, I understand what all those things mean individually, but not together. (laughs) Well, this is interesting because, you know, I I ended up talking about Notre Dame that one time, but uh, this is from thepeoplehistory.com, which is probably not a reputable site at all, but a 760-year-old wing of York Minister, the largest medieval uh, cathedral in Britain, was gutted by a fierce fire started by lightning. A rescue party saved most of the historic and valuable artifacts from the burning cathedral, including tapestries and silver candlesticks. These bells are still rung by hand, and the sound is stunning. That is fucking dope. Uh, 1941, UK Enigma code broken. British cryptologists break the secret code used by German army to direct ground-to-air operations on the Eastern Front. Oh, that's also cool. Uh, 1932, USA beer bill rejected again. Uh, there's, like, a marriage proposal between Princess Elizabeth, uh, USA Cuban concerns, Castro, oh, there's the prison riot in Maryland. I'm starting to call bullshit on this one. I'm gonna keep looking. Anyways. Whoa, one of them, I just googled my birthday as well. This is 100% being our, uh, like, Easter egg or whatever. Uh, uh, the, uh, now I can't find it. Oh, James Polk triggers the gold rush by confirming a gold discovery in California. (laughs) (laughs) Also, four node ARPANET network is established. That's the beginning of the internet. The internet was born on my birthday. (laughs) Well, fine, Emily, you're just better than me. God. (laughs) also russia is banned from the next winter olympics in south korea over state-sponsored doping (laughs) wait is this is this true july 9th the 14th amendment to the united states constitution is ratified that can't i don't know what the 14th amendment is that can't be true black people aren't slaves uh Uh, guaranteeing African Americans full citizenship and all persons in the United States. Do I was right. Uh, let's see. Oh, look, this is a Wikipedia article. Events. Fourteenth <laughs> Amendment. The military commander Avitus yeah. is proclaimed Emperor of the Western Roman Empire. Hmm. That was a great day. I remember that. I was there. Uh, major earthquake straits Peru fucks up some shit in um, uh, Phoenicia 
yeah, there's nothing really exciting here going on. I'm going down a rabbit hole, and this is all your fault. All right, well, let's circle on back to werewolves. Yeah, we're then. going back. Damn it. Back, back, back.